Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The studio behind the Callisto Protocol has laid off around 15% of their team. For August 4th, 2023, this is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. Hey, what's going on? My name's Nate Bender, and welcome to Let's Play, a daily gaming news podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in about five minutes. Coming up, Hasbro apologizes to Activision Blizzard, Twitch finally bans CSGO skins gambling, and we'll check out the week that was in video game news with the Friday Replay. Layoffs are continuing to happen across the video game industry with the latest victims coming from Striking Distance Studios, the developer behind the Callisto Protocol. This week, Striking Distance announced that 32 employees were impacted by the layoffs, around 15% of Striking Distance's total workforce. Striking Distance claims the reason for this round of layoffs was due to a realignment of the studio's priorities, and found that there were 32, quote, redundancies. Though this redundancy excuse is usually used when companies are downsizing to cut labor costs. And it wouldn't surprise me if that was the real reason, because Striking Distance's latest title, The Callisto Protocol, was pretty poorly received, with Striking Distance becoming the lowest earning studio under the Crafton umbrella. As for those affected, it's unclear what kind of severance package Striking Distance or its parent company Crafton will offer. Overall, this year has seen a lot of job loss in the gaming industry, and it's all caused by corporate executives desperately trying to turn a bigger profit for 2023, solely because consumers are spending slightly less in gaming this year. And instead of this boom and bust cycle impacting the wealthiest at these companies, all the financial risk and uncertainty trickles down to the lowest on the totem pole. To follow up on Activision Blizzard losing Hasbro's Transformer games, Hasbro has come out to do some PR damage control, issuing a statement to the Video Game Chronicle that they made those comments, quote, in error. Hasbro sheepishly apologized to Activision Blizzard despite not doing anything wrong in this particular instance, and finished with an open gesture to partner with Activision on future projects. However, Hasbro's sudden clarification makes me wonder if those comments struck a chord with an ActaBliz executive, potentially the hot-headed executive that cost Activision Blizzard access to the Chinese video game market. Now, I would take this speculation with a grain of salt, but to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if an Activision Blizzard executive threw a tantrum over the speculative mishandling of the Transformer games. Early Wednesday morning, Twitch has once again graced us with a new policy change. This time around, Twitch took specific aim at Counter-Strike Global Offensive's Skins Gambling. 
The policy change came in the form of an FAQ with a new question that reads, quote, is sponsorship of skins gambling, such as for CSGO skins, allowed on Twitch? Twitch responded with simply, quote, no. Promotion or sponsorship of skins gambling is prohibited under our policy. Now, this policy change doesn't really affect the vast majority of Twitch streamers. It does, however, affect 75% of the professional CSGO scene on Twitch. In a video report released last month by Counter-Strike streamer Hoon Gaon Gang, also known as Hoon, 226 out of the top 300 CSGO streamers on Twitch are sponsored by at least one skins gambling website, with a handful of the 226 sponsored by upwards of five different skins gambling websites. Despite this policy change, though, Twitch hasn't enforced it yet, because none of the 226 have been banned or reprimanded for promoting CSGO skins gambling. So it'll be interesting to see if Twitch actually follows through and enforces their new policies. All right, it's Friday, and this is where we check out a podcast review. And this one comes to us from CastBox. I think this is one of our first reviews on CastBox. Uh, From Fourth Dimensional Kumquats... All right, cool. Uh, It's quite a feat to reach over 400 episodes. Not many daily shows like this last as long as this one has. Barring, say, maybe three days, these guys have been consistent for nearly three years. And I can't think of another gaming-related podcast like this where you can get gaming news without four dudes jerking each other off about their mundane takes on gaming. Let's Play Daily Gaming News is one of the few diamonds in the sea of shitty and redundant gaming podcasts. Well, as a host of a formerly shitty and redundant gaming podcast, I definitely agree with you, Fourth Dimensional Kumquats. I've been one of those four guys with fairly mundane gaming takes before, and I gotta say, I do enjoy delivering you guys the news each day. So thank you very much, 4th Dimensional Kumquats, for the review. Be like 4th Dimensional Kumquats. I really hope that that's the the name you wanted to be referred to as and not just the title of your review. Anyway, be like 4th Dimensional Kumquats and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, or Amazon, and we'll read it here on Fridays on the show. All right, with it being Friday, let's check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the Friday Replay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Over the week.
weekend in Las Vegas, Nevada, Square Enix held their North American Final Fantasy XIV Fan Fest, finally making the return to an in-person format for the convention. And unfortunately, due to Square Enix selling tickets through a lottery system, I couldn't secure a ticket and was unable to attend for the first time in eight years. Luckily, though, there was a long live stream that went into painful sparse detail on the new things coming to the 13-year-old MMORPG. Like the fifth expansion coming to Final Fantasy XIV, Dawn Trail. Dawn Trail is slated for summer 2024, and FF14 director Naoki Yoshida described it as, quote, the very best summer vacation a hero could possibly have. The Warrior of Light will be traveling to the far west, to the new continent of Terai, participating in the rite of succession to determine the next ruler of Terai. Yoshida hints that the story will involve the scions of the Seventh Dawn, the band of recurring characters featured in much of Final Fantasy XIV's main scenario quests. However, Yoshida also hinted that there could be a dividing moment for the scions, which could see the factions splitting. Moving on from the story bits we got, Yoshida did confirm that there would be two new jobs coming to Final Fantasy XIV, though we didn't get anything concrete on what those two jobs are, other than one is a melee DPS and the other is a magical range DPS. Though Yoshida did give us a typical hint in Yoshida fashion with his t-shirt. He was wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt, which could hint at a number of jobs from the Final Fantasy series. Like the Turtles' names being famous painters could be hinting at an obscure job Pictomancer, which was only featured in Final Fantasy VI and used ranged magic to copy enemy attacks or control enemies. Though others have speculated on the green color of the turtle shirt being the hint and pointing to Time Mage being one of the new jobs, because Time Magic has typically been called Green Magic in Final Fantasy Tactics. It's a bit of a stretch. Or they're doing Ninja again. I, I don't know. Continuing on to the last couple of big announcements out of the Final Fantasy XIV Fan Fest. FF14 and Fall Guys are planning a crossover event where you can get Final Fantasy XIV cosmetics in the next Fall Guys season pass, starting on August 23rd. And sometime in the future, Final Fantasy XIV will get a Fall Guys course in the Golden Saucer, which will allow 24 players to compete against one another. And the last announcement, head of Xbox Phil Spencer showed up to the FanFest to reveal that Final Fantasy XIV is finally coming to Xbox consoles, with the open beta for Xbox users coming soon and the full release slated for next spring. Seemingly, Microsoft brokered a larger deal with Square Enix because Spencer also hinted at other Final Fantasy titles coming to Xbox in the near future as well. Overall, this was a typical showing for the Final Fantasy XIV FanFest. It just would have been nice to see it in person. The Video Game Chronicle released a new report on Monday talking to Nintendo insiders on the potential successor to the Nintendo Switch. According to VGC's anonymous sources, Nintendo is planning on releasing their next console in the second half of 2024. Sources also claim that the next-gen Nintendo console will be similar to the Switch in a number of ways, like being a handheld console and accepting physical media through a cartridge slot. 
The claims continue with the next-gen Nintendo console allegedly launching with an LCD screen instead of an OLED. Sources attribute this to keeping costs low. Sadly, sources didn't elaborate any further on the internals of the fabled Switch successor. VGC did ask about backwards compatibility support, though, but it seems that sources were not aware of any such feature at this time. Sources did point out, however, that third-party publishers were wary of legacy support. This is because it could, quote, negatively affect sales of next-gen titles, meaning third-party publishers don't want you buying older and cheaper games. Well, time to emulate them. Overall, VGC's report doesn't shed much light on the potential next-gen Nintendo console. And it's fairly similar to cycles that we've seen in the past. The next Nintendo console successor is confirmed to be a thing, but no real concrete details are ever given other than assumed features like being a handheld console accepting cartridge-based media and most likely being less powerful than its competition. And let's be real here, those aren't exactly world-shattering predictions. So until we get some actual details falling out of these sources, I'll be skeptical on what Nintendo's next console will be. In an update on Microsoft's $68.7 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority has sent out a public request for additional comments, asking the public to answer if Microsoft made material changes since the end of April. The CMA is also looking for comments from the public detailing potential other remedies that regulators should pursue. The CMA spokesperson told the press that a second round of public submissions like this is possible but, quote, very rare. However, given the circumstances surrounding this merger, UK regulators have found this to be, quote, the appropriate course of action. The CMA is giving the public four days to respond, ending the submission period at midnight this Friday, August 4th. The CMA's spokesperson's statement finishes with regulators aiming for August 29th to release their second final report. Overall, I have my doubts that a second round of public statements will change the course of this merger, though I have absolutely no doubt that Microsoft and or Activision Blizzard will be astroturfing the comment submissions with either employees or just made-up people responding to the CMA's request for comment. This is a common tactic among large corporations undergoing regulation consideration. Comcast did it with the FCC back when they were considering net neutrality, and given that the CMA won't end up vetting submissions, they will inevitably approve Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard. At this point, all the CMA is doing is trying to speed run through the legal red tape. On Tuesday, Anita Sarkeesian, the executive director of Feminist Frequency, announced the closure of the nonprofit advocacy group. In 2009, Sarkeesian created the organization and website Feminist Frequency, which focused on making accessible feminist media criticism. In 2012, Sarkeesian broadened the focus of criticism to video gaming, starting the Kickstarter campaign to produce the Gender Tropes in Video Game series. Sarkeesian at the time criticized video game design for its poor depiction and treatment of women. 
Video games have a long history of catering their content and marketing to boys and young men, using many of the base depictions of sex and violence in other forms of media. While this type of criticism was needed in 2012 and, to be honest, is still desperately needed now, gamers took it upon themselves at the time to respond to this criticism with unmitigated harassment. And the harassment never let up for Sarkeesian. Going into 2014, the harassment campaign ramped up significantly because Sarkeesian released another video game-related video called Tropes vs. Women in Video Game, which happened to coincide with the start of Gamergate. Unfortunately, Sarkeesian was caught in the crossfire, becoming one of the main targets in the Gamergate harassment campaign. Sarkeesian has since faced countless death threats, having to cancel events due to terror threats and bomb threats, several doxings, and stalkings. This harassment campaign has continued to this day. In 2020, Feminist Frequency established the Games and Online Harassment Hotline, a valuable resource for those facing any sort of harassment in gaming, be it in online games, streaming, or even at in-person events. Lastly, in 2022, Feminist Frequency won the Peabody for Digital and Interactive Storytelling for the extensive work the nonprofit has done to combat harassment in gaming. Sarkeesian explained on Tuesday that Feminist Frequency will ramp down operations and cease operating sometime in 2024. Sarkeesian attributes this closure to burnout from running the company and the constant harassment. It's assumed, though, that the reason Feminist Frequency can't continue without her is due to it being intertwined with her image. For the Games and Online Harassment Hotline, the phone lines will be available until September 30th, after which the phone service will be shut down. Fortunately, though, the hotline's website will continue under new management. Now, I went over the short history of Feminist Frequency to highlight the impact Sarkeesian has had on gaming and to point out the fraction of what she went through to challenge the status quo of gaming. And I think it's worth the gaming community taking a moment and reflecting that we just lost a valuable organization that took these issues seriously. All right, well, that's it for today's episode of Let's Play. Make sure you subscribe so you can come back tomorrow for even more video game news. Again, I apologize for missing an episode this week. I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Follow us on TikTok at Let's Play Gaming News and leave us a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, and Amazon. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Twitter at Lloyd underscore RNG. And huge thank you and shout out to all the hard work that Lloyd does on this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benderama and catch me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. My name's Nate Bender. Keep listening.